once again, the Cagliari Ultras decide to be assholes. Welcome to Italy and welcome to Serie A, Romelu Lukaku. Um, and not in a good way. Unfortunately, you got everything uh, that this country has to offer, uh, including the bad. And I'm very sorry to see that that happened. Um, and unfortunately, it's going to be how we lead this edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is. I'm Frank Ravello, your host, co host Richard Carmen, not with us, uh, deciding to take. Uh, an early break from uh, all the Calcio and uh, get on a vacation with his family. Uh, so good for him, Richard. Uh, we know you're going to be listening, so we are going to talk about you. Um, but uh, fear not, we do have guests. Uh, and uh, yes, guests. Uh, we will uh, start, and both of them are earning their fourth caps. Um, we'll start with a Syria opinionist, writer, vlogger, over 500 pieces for Italian Football Daily, correspondent for Soccer Examiner. On Twitter, you can find him at Catanaccio, and A, and A meaning not applicable. Rocco Fasano returns. Ciao, Rocco. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? We're good, man. How are you? Great, 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 man. Really looking forward to uh, killing this podcast here. A lot to talk about, so... Well, you got to do some killing somewhere because I'm killing you in the uh, fantasy Serie A right now. Oh, I, I know that. I don't know if you saw, I I know know if you saw the standings. Yes, 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 currently in second place in my little pool. And yeah, man, congrats. You know, good calls, good calls. But, you know, uh, it's a long season. So Yeah, yeah long way to go. <laughs> and, and, and I'm looking as a manager to, to eat my panettone, as they say uh, in Italy, right? I'm, I want to go beyond the Christmas break here. <laughs> okay okay that's 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 fair i just i need to find a goalkeeper that's going to stick um I, I think i started with ospino who didn't play in the first week and i had uh i had yonat radu um this week mm-hmm. which i think he won right. i think he won okay. so and shadow uh, i think no uh, no no gave up a late penalty which that kind of um that kind of that kind of bothered me a little bit there but but what can you do um Yep, good to have you back. And uh, also joining us, earning his fourth cap uh, with Serie A Sit Down. He is the co-host and editor of Far From Vesuvius podcast, freelance culture writer, travel addict, beer lover, statoholic. Uh, we say ciao to Ken Chofredi. Ken, man, welcome back. Hey, yeah, it's been a while, but it feels good. It feels good. I get to uh, express some of my Serie A feelings both you know, more with Napoli and outside of Napoli, which is a rare occurrence for me out on the on the international airwaves here. So it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys, Frank. You know, you and Richard, who's not here, always know how we feel about you guys. So it's a pleasure to be on. Feeling is more than mutual, sir. Um, you can follow Ken at K underscore C-I-O-F-F-R-E-D-I for those of you who don't understand the the Italian linguistics. Um like uh, like the three of us do. So, well, if you guys are loyal listeners to the Serie A sit-down, you realize that I did bring on a Juventus guy and I brought on a Napoli guy and was really excited to break down this wonderful game that took place on Saturday. Unfortunately, it ended up 
it's going to end up going a little further in the pecking order because once again, the Cagliari Ultras decide to be assholes. Um, subjecting this time Romelu Lukaku to racist abuse, and we'll jump through that game. Cagliari won Inter 2, uh, Lautaro Martinez scoring, João Pedro equalizing, but the storyline clearly was the penalty that was given against Cagliari with Romelu Lukaku getting ready to take it, and the racist chance ensued. When are we going to be done with this? Um, for a league that is growing, for a league that is starting to get some traction year after year, the first, for a league that's starting to become more than Juventus uh, here, um, and it's, and it's going to be evident as the weeks unfold, I'm, this is a very, very ugly stain, and FIGC and Legacy out really need to do something about this. At the time of this recording, we don't have any answers, and we get it. Everybody's sleeping as we're recording this. But something has to be done. And I went through my brain and I said, you know something? Calorie home matches behind closed doors. Uh, at a minimum of six home matches. Maybe more. This is a second offense. This happened to Moise Ken. Not even, a, not even within the last year. So it's ugly and it's got to stop. Minimum of six home matches behind closed doors. FIGC, Lega Serie A, you failed to make statements in the past. This is your opportunity. Make a statement. Don't tolerate this anymore. It's unacceptable. Rocco, you first. Floor is yours. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think I think that uh, an example needs to be set. Uh, I don't know what the appropriate number of games uh, is. Uh, I can't remember precedence. Uh, they have to go back to uh, basically, yeah, look at the precedence at whenever other uh, fans have had uh problems as far as uh, as far as racist racist uh chants are concerned and uh and just come down with one of the heaviest types of sentences that you can have if we go back to mid-may i believe it was may when uh when keen was uh, or when ken if, as they call him in italian uh was the victim of uh, a racist chance there wasn't even a suspended sentence right it's not that they didn't they did not say okay well you know we're giving you kind of a warning and then next time or or, or a suspended sentence and then next time that you recidivate that you commit the same problem again the same offense again then you will be uh, you know, this is going to be your suspension. No, that did not happen. Therefore, their record is clean as far as as far as FIGC is concerned. And we all know that according to us, uh, according to most fans, perhaps, especially fans not residing in Italy, uh, no, they they their their record is very much uh, not clean. Uh, they, you know, we, we did hear the monkey chants against against uh, uh, Ken, and we did. Here, chance again against Lukaku right before he he took he stepped up to take the penalty, and you know something really needs to be done uh, either to make sure that I that these guys that these people are punished, and if they're not punished, then cannot be punished right now. Given the uh, given the technological advances that uh, sorry the technology that does not exist or does not uh, is not implemented at the Sardegna Arena, maybe they can work with the club. To make sure that that technology is in place, so that the perpetrators of these uh, of this ignorance, basically, in spreading it and teaching their children about 
this kind of ignorance uh, and, and giving a terrible example to people all over Italy uh, and a bad name to Italians all over the world, uh, that this kind of thing will not happen again. That's where I stand on that. Yep, I mean, and, and Rocco, obviously, you're referring to Moise Ken, who was at Juventus when when the racism was subjected upon him. Ken Khalidou Koulibaly faced this abuse uh, at Inter uh, just about a year ago. Um, so, again, here we go again. I'm saying minimum six games behind closed doors. Uh, hit the entire stadium hit the season ticket holders where it hurts and don't refund their money and let them know hey you're as you're guilty by association um that to me is the best solution i have a hard time deducting points from a team because the players on the pitch aren't racist the players on the pitch are you know what's going on in the stands doesn't you know impact or punish the players that they support the players are out there playing the players are against all of this okay but we've got a couple knuckleheads out there in the Cagliari Ultras. And, and Ken, uh, Lukaku was looking in the exact same direction that Moise Ken oh, yeah. was. So, so people keep getting let back in that shouldn't be get let in. Yeah, yeah. And even for me, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm on board with everything you guys are saying. It's, it's absolutely – for me, it's ridiculous. It, there's no fathomable, fathomable reason why any player should go into a stadium to play a game – and or match or you know as serious as it is i don't want to make it seem like it's lighthearted. but i mean there's no reason why anyone should go in there and be subjected to anything like this and we saw it with coolie last year at inter we see it we saw it last year with ken at at the same arena and at at some point you have to make somebody accountable and the league um has a big opportunity here they're going into an international break there's two weeks for you to get this right However you decide to do it, whether that's closing the doors for matches, whether that's, you know, finding the club or whatever it is. I I agree that deducting points is difficult because then you're both giving the ultras power by using the power of protest at some point or retaliating to deduct even more points from the team. Mm -hmm. But I think that at some point you have to make somebody accountable for it. And at the end of the day, if Cagliari is not going to, you know, be in charge of controlling their fans, then they're going to have to be the ones at the end of the day that are held accountable for it if they're not going to take care of it. And that's going to be up to the league to decide how they want to do it. And I agree. I think five, six, seven, you know, make them go all the way to the end of the year. Eight or nine and home matches. Can, and can I, can decide. With no can refunds, just... and, and it's got to be conditional, and I'll get to you in a second, Rocco, and with, with – with no refunds to the season ticket holders because set an example and set a standard and, and, and say, look, if you're a season ticket holder, if you support your club, then step up and don't support this nonsense. Okay. And Mm. I think you can, I think you can hit a season ticket holder where it hurts. I can, I, I can appreciate if I was a calorie supporter and I was in position, if my son happened to be a calorie supporter, he's not Rocco. You'll be pleased to hear he's a Juventini. Um, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how I, I still don't know how the hell that happened. You've but anyway, some great fathering, you know. That's all. <laughs> I I have pissed him off at some point that that's just what he does. So yeah, but uh, to retaliate, yeah, yeah, I see it. Rebel something, something like that. But anyway, 
you know, if he can't, you know, and he would come to me one day and he said, why can't we go and see our team play? I said, because we've got some people that are apparently being way too irresponsible and the league is punishing us and we deserve to be punished because we have a few people that just can't behave. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is, this is like, this is old school, grade school style, you know, <laughs> uh, discipline. You know, if, if someone in your class messes up, the whole the whole class is to suffer because that's how everybody exactly. learns to control their own. You control the 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 class now learns to control the two or three One morons in the classroom yeah. because then everybody has to suffer. And this is the way that, unfortunately and embarrassingly, that this has to be taken care of because Calgary has done nothing to this point to stop it. Whether they can or can't, what you know, whether it's technology based or whatever, you know. To be fair, you know, there's. Plenty of people out there in the world with phones that are posting this stuff out there from the stands on on Twitter. So there's no reason why we can't at least get closer. We know it's in the in the in their corva. We know. I mean, Lukaku gave them the the dirtiest stare down after he scored the goal. We we know who it is. Close the close the uh, the bare 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 minimum. Close the corva completely mm-hmm. until for the first half of the season. You know, something like that. And so uh, what I was trying to say earlier is. I mean, and it's not the first time. It's not one of these things where, well, you know, my interpretation of what I heard is different from, you know, we're not, I'm not sure that's what it was, you know, or yeah. maybe they were just... There's no doubt about it this time, or, yeah. <laughs> or, or like booing or, you know, like, or I guess in North America, booing is like the equivalent to whistling in Italy. But, yeah. you know, booing in Italy is... is 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 a is a racist is tantamount to to monkey chants you know that's basically it uh but i'm just reading uh here and, and this just happened to catch come across this tweet which reminded me uh sully montari in 2017 with pescara uh, abu- racially abused by cali fans 2018 uh matuidi racially abused by cali fans 2019 ken racially abused by calgary fans and now today Lukaku so when when is the league gonna step in and say you know let's let's lay down the hammer let's really look at this and you know force everybody in the league all the clubs to cooperate and collaborate with them because it looks bad on the league it looks bad on the teams it looks bad on everybody it's in everyone's interest to have uh to to get this garbage out of here Right. So uh, recently, I think uh, this this game, this uh, Juventus Napoli was uh, the first time that they had uh, video uh, footage and, and, and whatnot to support uh, eventual um, uh, eventual disciplining of, 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 of spectators had, you know, if there's going to be an opportunity to do so. So, you know, that's I think where we should be going towards and maybe enhancing these features and leveraging technology in order to uh, really hone in on the individuals and it's so that we don't get to a, a, a summative kind of argument, right? And a summative kind of um, punishment of, of curve or the entire stadium and all that. Not because I'm necessarily against it or I'm not necessarily for it, but because uh, once you start to get into the debate, people will bring up counter arguments as to why we shouldn't 
punish everybody else, right? It's not fair and blah, blah, blah. If instead you, 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 you hone in, you, you zero in on the actual person that, what, that is uh, guilty of doing this or people who are, who are doing this, then you individually get them, suspend them, for 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 months for years how whatever the whatever the measures you want to start uh you want to you want to implement and and deal with it accordingly can't say that better can't say that any better yeah, so agreed you know this is this is something that we're going to have to overcome and by the time this gets released you know Seria and, and, and Lega Calcio and, and all of the heads will make up their mind on what to do about this, or hopefully they will. Um, and I have no faith in the leadership there that they're going to do something stern, that they're going to send a message, that they're going to send an example. I hope I'm proven wrong, but I don't have a lot of confidence based on how they have handled these matters in the past. So I'm I'm just... I have no, I have no faith in this, and and as and as long as they're going to look at yeah, look at it with a okay. yeah, whatever attitude, then neither, we're going to continue to have we're going to continue to have this problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, so that was Cagliari and Inter. Unfortunately, we had to leave lead with that. I went, I so, I I wanted to lead with your guys' teams because, and, and we'll now talk about them. Um. Damn it! What a game! I was a neutral <laughs> and loved it. Um, you know, and, and, and can't wait for my team to be as good as you guys again. <laughs> so, um, we, and, and maybe in a couple of months that'll happen and going through the, uh, you know, I, I keep reading teething problems about Milan. Um, uh-huh. okay. That, that actually sounds very appropriate. Um, but, <laughs> but anyway, enough about my, I'm just trying to figure out how to sneak my team in here while we Stop talk about making yours. it about you, man. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, let's. Well, we played before I'm you. Even so. Gino, we don't get enough time in this in the spotlight. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, oh, well, oh, you. Oh boy. Here's that attention you ordered, Rocco. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Juventus, Napoli. You know, first of all, before I mean, you know, I want to talk lineups, talk highlights. Second match week of the season. Do you like seeing that fixture so early? Uh, Ken, we'll start with you. No, I don't actually. Um, it it just feels a little weird, like the this, and especially because it comes before the international break and everything else. It just like I was really excited for the game yesterday, and I got my I ended up getting myself you know really riled up about it eventually. But it doesn't have the same sort of gusto as it does later in in the in the season. Like if this is you know in November or December, you know it sort of primes you for that big time matchup like we had a couple of years ago in in April you know where where seasons are in the balance you know the the season will never be in the balance with the two teams playing each other this year because we'll play once in August and we'll play once in January and there's still a lot of play on either side of those so it I think when I first saw the fixture list I think initially my reaction was cool we can play Juve right away and then sort of get into the flow of the season but as far as like building up to a big match it didn't like I, it what didn't I didn't quite get crazed like I normally do because I just I'm just not into the swing of the season yet, and it's just you know the teams aren't exactly at 100 percent yet, and there's a lot of sort of integration still happening. I would like to see these two teams uh, play. I mean, granted, that ended up being a great ad, as horrible of an advertisement as Inter Calgary was for the league. 
how great of an advertisement would it have been for a neutral to watch a game yesterday? I mean, you got twists and turns and ups and downs and two teams that, you know, really fought against each other. So, the, I mean, the quality of the match on the pitch ended up being really fun and awesome to watch. But I think personally, as a fan, I would have liked if it was just a little later into the season. You know, this it, it totally reminded me, and we actually asked Jerry Mancini this last week because it, we had the Rome Derby, which we'll talk about in a little yeah. bit here. And he didn't like the idea of of the Derby della Capitale having to be the second match week of the season. It reminded me all of this, all of this sentiment reminded me exactly of um, uh, 2009, 2010 as a Milan supporter, Leonardo's se- only season in charge as manager, and right off the bat, second weekend, got to play Inter. Uh, Jose Mourinho's Inter, who is oiled up, ready to go. Uh, we're still trying to, you know, figure out who we are, and we get we get blasted four uh, nil. So for me, it was not pleasant to have to get the Derby della Madonnina in the second match week of the season when there was a Milan that was still trying to find itself after after Ancelotti left, after Kaká left, and after Maldini retired. So um, not the ideal time to play Inter when you're still, you know, trying to get your stuff together. But you know, Rocco, same question. Uh, did, yeah. Did it? Did it trouble you that Juve Napoli is so early in the season? Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, I echo uh, um, what what was said so far by both of you guys on on this piece. You know, I as far as when it comes to uh, the league is, you know, I, I like a little more foreplay before we ha- we come to the main to the main piece. Kids, uh, listen to this, Rocco. Kids, kids, listen to this. <laughs> hey, hey, Important you started off. You started off using the a-hole word, okay? So, <laughs> well, they know when they know that the already. Thing. They know I'm going to oh, say. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. Parents okay. just turn to their kids and say, "Don't they, say what he they would saying. have. They would have to Google that word, you know, which I, I wouldn't, <laughs> in order for them to, you know, it's it's a little it's a little hashtag talk like Zio type type uh, type talk. You know, I, I'm the same person. I'm the same. It's the same. It's the same thing. The person I'm on Twitter is the person I am on the pod. Uh, well, as far as real life is concerned, well, that's that's another that's another <laughs> that's another case. Anyway, so absolutely, and you know what? As far as you know, I wanted to see more. I would like to, would have liked to see as well a little more time uh, together for players to create that that chemistry in order to get slotted in, especially this year, right? I mean, and especially with my team, with Juventus, with a brand new coach uh, who has a. a a decisively different, distinct philosophy from his predecessor as far as gameplay is concerned. Uh, having to having to, to instill that into his players, into his players, and in the meantime, having uh, suffered from or is currently suffering from pneumonia that has kept him away from uh, from uh, time with his players in order to instill instill that gameplay, as I as I just mentioned. On top of all that, we have. Um, you know, besides the Napoli fixture at home, and uh, we had a tricky away fixture at Parma, and upcoming we have an away game at Fiorentina, which is basically our what second real, uh, our, our 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 virtual derby. Uh, even though you know, like Torino is our real derby, but the virtual derby is the away fixture at Fiorentina, and right after that, uh, three game, three days after that the uh, Champions League debut again away at Atletico Madrid so that is that is a tall order it, it's it's a bit of a baptism by fire so my hope is in the meantime and in in, in, in the um, intermission between the those first two games and the last two games I mentioned 
we have international break where uh, basically what 15, 16 players out of a 25 player roster go back to you know all over the world to play for their uh, to represent their national side. So this cannot could not have been uh, the it, 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 I don't know if I don't know if it could have been much worse uh, for a way for Juventus to start. So that's going to be that's going to be a big hump for them to uh, to get over in order in order to continue to uh, establish themselves as the force in Italy and try to rise uh, to be the force in Europe. Okay, yeah, it's it's just it's strange to see it, and then you know paired with the. You know, Derby della Capitale, it feels like that these are two fixtures that just steal from each other, unfortunately, in the end. So, you know, I don't particularly care for how Lego City has scheduled this, but nonetheless, they gave us a fun weekend. So, uh, Frank, you know, so Frank, I'm actually, sorry, I just wanted to come in. They used to they used to have, um, you know, when they when they did the scheduling, they, they would use algorithms that would. Uh, make sure that right at right off the bat, like the bigger teams would not play each other's play each other for the first few weeks, and then uh, I think it was last season they took that algorithm away. So it it would be it would be nice. I mean, I, I and I fully agree. The good thing is when you have a lot of competition is that you have a lot of interesting matches, and uh, you know the, what you think is is going to be an interesting match. Uh, at the outset, you know, when the calendar is being made, when the schedule is being made, uh, you know, turns out maybe later on down the stream doesn't turn out to be so interesting. And then another one that you think, oh, yeah, that one's like going to be a snooze fest turns out to be a, a real barn burner. Right. But that said, you know, they could um, maybe perhaps it would it would be great to have, you know, big, you know, one, the one big match every week sprinkled along you know one game week one here one game week there right it doesn't work yeah. out that way, unfortunately i don't think no it's um you never know what these guys are going to do uh one year after the next so mm-hmm. um but yeah but uh, but but it, it ended up giving us two very attractive matches that lived up they both lived up to the billing but let's talk juve napoli uh, so lineups, uh, Juve went with Chesney and goal. They went with a 4-3-3, as you would expect, under uh, Maurizio Sarri. Uh, De Cilio, Bonucci, uh, and the debut of Matthias De Ligt, uh, not, un, you know, not intentionally. Unfortunately, uh, Giorgio Chiellini uh, suffered an ACL tear in training and is going to be out for the next five to six months. It does require surgery. Alexandro... Uh, at his usual left back position, a midfield of Pjanic, Kadira, Matuidi, and then in attack, uh, Gonzalo Higuain at the point, with, flanked by Cristiano Ronaldo and Douglas Costa. Rocco, your thoughts? Because for the second straight week, um, Sadi and his assistants mm-hmm. go with the guys that have, you know, except for Delict in this example. Going with the guys that have been there instead of maybe some of the new signings, Ramsey, Rabio, some of these guys, maybe you know, not 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 getting a run out yet. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I it it does it it doesn't doesn't surprise me. So it does it does surprise me in the sense that um, you know we had seen uh, Rabio, uh, for example, have a pretty good outing, uh, a few good outings in the in the preseason. Um, and uh, and and he's one who I would have expected to see feature a little bit more. Uh, you know, uh, Ramsey, mm, he's still he's still getting back 
from back into game match fitness. You know, he is he is fit, but he's not match fit. Yeah, I, I saw him play a handful of minutes in one of the uh, one of the last friendlies. He's still he's still missing uh, touch. He's still he was very he looked very awkward out there. So so no. Um, but yeah, like he definitely playing, playing the same 11 other than the forced change, um, of, of Delict coming in for, uh, for Chiellini, uh, doesn't surprise me. It, why it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me because you're looking, you're looking to, um, and there's a lot of integration that needs to happen. There's a lot of gameplay learning that needs to happen. And, uh, if, if the group dynamic chemistry you take that away, you know, the existing group dynamic chemistry is taken away, then it's one more uh, certainty that's taken away from the entire equation. And for that reason, it's not, I'm not surprised that, that uh, we saw players like Matuidi, we saw players like Kedira who are uh, extremely tactically um, intelligent, uh, rise, to the, uh, rise to the occasion and being called, be called to the occasion. So... No, in that sense, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not surprised. Also, okay. as a little sidebar here, I would also say that get used to seeing the same players over and over and over again because that's the way Maurizio Sarri sets up his teams. Um, so, <laughs> I, I do think I do think that there's a big that this is going to be, and I said it last year with Chelsea, and he struggled with it there too. Mm. Um, I think that I would I would I would love to revisit this in a couple months, and we can see if he is learned and whether he's going to rotate his squad or whether you guys are going to be asking why Rabio has only come on as a sub and Ramsey still hasn't played yet. I'm just, I just, we just saw the same frustrations at Napoli when he was mm-hmm. here. Like, why isn't he at least giving these guys a run out? Why isn't he rotating his squad? Why isn't he, why is he only play 13 or 14 players? And that's the only guys you ever see. And, so it'll, and I- it'll be interesting to me to see. I hear you, Ken. And you know what, man? I, I think for sure this year is going to be the ultimate proof when it comes in terms of Maurizio Sarri as a as a uh, having having a, a turnover deficiency, right? Or as having having a man rotation deficiency or disease, if you will. Um, you know, uh, if if really with a bloated and I'll spin, I'll call it out, if having a bloated roster the way that Juventus does today right now he does not man and and not only bloated but also you know very talented and deep right and no offense to napoli Nap, the napolis of year of years past uh but you know he really has no excuse in fact in order to keep the entire group dynamic happy uh and productive and performing you you, you must 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 have i would say maybe from one league game to the next Champions League game, especially if you're keen on Champions League, Sarri almost has to scientifically, you know, and, and on purpose go through a maybe, you know, change four to six players every game and then yeah. bring in three, three subs. Otherwise, you're going to have a mutiny on your hands with, you know, if you have more than three players never, uh, never seeing gameplay. Here's... The one thing that did stand out at Chelsea, though, um, and it'll be interesting to see that if, if Juve as a team suffer a dip in form, start dropping points, or maybe not playing to the standard that everybody expects of them, this happened at Chelsea, and Saudi was somehow pressured. I think he was pressured, because I think he wanted to go with more experienced guys at Chelsea, but somewhere along the line, 
he in came Ruben Loftus Cheek, in came Callum Hudson Odoi, and that Chelsea team looked so much better once those two players were inserted in. So, you know, I I, I definitely agree with everything that's being talked about here. I think Saudi has his set guys that he likes and wants to stick with, and you know, for lack of a better description, because he did this in his last season at Napoli, run the same thirteen or fourteen guys into the ground and hopefully win something in the end. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that I see the same result here that happened at Chelsea. He's going to face some pressure. He's going to be told, look, you need to start playing this guy. You need to start playing that guy. And he's going to have to shift things, and Juventus will start humming again. I mean, that that's a trajectory or a sub-trajectory that I could certainly see with Juventus as the season goes along. So, um, you know... Definitely, uh, definitely think that uh, something like that could potentially happen. So, Napoli can uh, merit uh, Di Lorenzo, Manolas, Koulibaly, and Gulam across the back. Um, and depending on how you looked at it, some say it could be a four-three-three. Some say it could be a four-four-one-one. But um, Allen and Pietro Zielinski looked like they were situated in front of the back four. Fabian Ruiz, obviously, in the middle, and then you had Insigne, Mertens, and Callejon. Um, Pretty familiar, uh, except for Gulam got the start over Mario Rui. Uh, that was that. That appeared to me to be the only change from the Fiorentina win. Yeah, uh, I think um, I have my own personal reasons as to why I think that Ancelotti is setting up this way. It's sort of like a weird four-four-one-one, four-two-three-one, whatever. You have, I mean, Milik is out right now with something that <laughs> we don't know exactly <laughs> what. When, when Napoli was in Michigan, we asked him uh, straight away. We asked Ancelotti straight away in a press conference, what's up with Milik? And this was two and a half weeks ago. And he just said, hey, he's got a mus- small muscular injury and it's not a big deal. But it's two weeks later and he still hasn't played. So, um, And it's going to be a month after. He's not not going to go for international duty. So he's gotten two more weeks now. So we'll see we'll see what the deal is. But um, he sort of impl- uh, deploys Fabian in this Trequartista sort of role behind Mertens. Uh, I thought Gulam was going to start the whole way. I didn't think Mario Rui would start this game. So there was no real surprises in the in the tactical setup, at least from the from the get. I think it was pretty much what we all were expecting straight away. Okay. It, and it made for some it made for some intrigue. And uh, early on in the game, actually Juventus was forced into a substitution. Matteo Decilio uh, pulled up uh comes out of the match in comes Danilo to make his Juventus debut and wow what a debut uh a corner for Napoli um in the in the uh, first quarter uh, of this match actually the first 15 minutes of this match uh it is uh, cleared away lands to Douglas Costa who rampages i mean this was a jailbreak counterattack and uh Douglas Costa finds Danilo literally his first touch of the game Danilo uh, scoring to put Juventus ahead, uh, it is a goal of the week candidate for the state for the sake of the um, nature of how this goal got scored. Um, Benucci with the assist off his face. To What's spring that? The, Benucci with the assist off of his face to spring the counterattack. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was. Uh, it was. A, it was an attempt on goal from distance that hit Benucci in the face and rolled out, and then that started the counter. So that that is right. That that's right. Um, uh, so that puts uh, that puts Juve up a goal to nil, and only three minutes later, uh, they get forward again. Gonzalo Higuain 
another goal of the week, Kennedy, just because of the individual work that has to be done to work his way around um, uh, the three defenders and uh, create the space and uh, half volley off the outside of his right foot to score that goal. Just a wonderful turn and finish. This guy. Uh, <laughs> can't believe Ken's, Higuain Ken's fuming. Ken's fuming. <laughs> so, and it puts Juve up by two goals to nil. Uh, Ken, how did you feel about how Napoli were performing? I mean, you got you got punched in the mouth once, not once, but twice. But prior to that, Napoli looked okay. Yeah, it was fine until the counterattack goal. It wasn't good, but it was fine. I mean, it. The, you could tell by the, and we'll talk about it as we progress through the match a little bit here. But the, the tactical setup is four-two-three-one that Ancelotti has been experimenting with. I hope is uh, sort of dead in the water now. I. I I feel like he's been toying with this because the whole time he was trying to sort of get the team technically ready for the idea of signing James Rodriguez, which is obviously not happening at this point. So I hope that this the four two three one can die off and we can go back to what was working. And when the second half started, we switched back to a different tactical setup, and that would ended up you know giving us a lot more tactical flexibility and ended up give, getting us back in the match. But I mean, early on. I mean, I feel like, you know, Benucci takes one off the face. It, it, it springs a counterattack. And then Ancelotti said in the postgame press conference that one of the Napoli players who he said he would never tell us who it is was at a position on uh, to, to help with the lack of defending in that counter. And Alan also makes a really poor decision by, as Douglas Costa is making that run and enters the box, he peels off of Danilo um, and leaves Danilo wide open to score the goal. Uh, and then Higuain's goal, I mean, what can you say? It's it, As much as it pains me to say it, it's just one of those goals that's a complete, amazing individual effort. I think that, you know, maybe 15 times out of 20, Higuain attempts that move and it doesn't even come off. But, you know, he he turns Koulibaly around. Koulibaly makes the move like Higuain's going to go for a classic you know, set it up on the right and just black, cur- try to curl it past Medit to his left, and he completely does the opposite. He spins down to the left, and the ball sits up nicely for him to just smash it in his right foot, and he puts it in a, you know an impossible postage stamp place. And it's a beautiful, singular effort. And, you know, Napoli, I think, going down 2-0, I think if you ask any Napoli fan um, after the first 25 minutes or whatever it was, it was pretty... Uh, it wasn't very uh, optimistic as to how we thought the match was going to turn out. Sure. Rocco. If, I may come, if I may come in on, on the goal on the 2 nothing. I mean, uh, maybe maybe it's because, you know, I, I, I looked a little – I watched it a number of times because uh, because of my soccer faith. But if you look at that, that buildup starts all the way back from Danilo in right. his own 18-yard box. And the ball movement, which is something that again, like we're we are still getting used to. Uh, I mean, the players are getting used to doing it properly, and and us fans are are kind of rubbing our eyes and and in disbelief as 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 to um, how beautiful it looks when it's pro- properly implemented. But there was it was a really beautiful back and forth uh, a ball movement with a lot of one time uh, touches, and eventually. Um, Matuidi is, is somehow squares the ball for for Iguain, who turns nicely, 
but you know, uh, he Kulibali doesn't look wasn't made to look as foolish as some people may want you to believe. He did uh, go for for the for the ball. He did get a only a piece of it, but not enough, right? And of course, it fell nicely for him. And uh, and Iguain kind of just out slight slight outside of the foot, put it, you know, roofed it. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a great build-up play, and you know, um, culminating in a in a in a wonderful uh, finishing, both in terms of final move and final strike. And then the sentiment you get on social media just was just a, a lot of plaudits for Juventus for the first half performance. You know, you look at the first half statistics; the possessions fifty fifty. You know, Juve with more chances on target created a lot more, and a lot of a lot of the sentiment is, man, wait till Juve get the proper repetition playing this system. You know, if they're doing this now, what are they going to be like in March and April when it all when it all counts? So that was the you know kind of the interesting dynamic, and that was the reaction that a lot of people were starting to have. Um, you know, with the way that first half went, uh, you know, second half begins and. Um, uh, there was a uh, Ancelotti makes some changes. Fauzi Gulam was a disaster. Uh, Awful. He was so bad. He's unrecognizable as a player, in my opinion. I don't get it. I don't get it. This kid, I mean, I did, prior to, I, I think that, that ACL injury messed him up. Because yeah. he has not been the same. Nope. Nope. Not at all. He's so far off the pace of the match that it's 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 really, I, I, I said it on Twitter, on my personal Twitter, that I just thought that it was it's it's he's completely unrecognizable he doesn't he doesn't look up to the pace of play at all i mean there were a couple times where you know a pass went awry from insigne who insigne didn't do him any favors either i'll say that insigne a lot of times when gulam would overlap sort of heading towards juve's 18 yard box out wide towards the corner flag insigne would cut in and then lose possession and it would leave gulam 30 or 40 yards out of position so that didn't help I saw but that a couple pace, times too. Yeah, but but his pace is so far off. Like he once he's out of position, he cannot recover, and then that leaves these. And we saw it in the first half. I mean, it just leaves these giant spaces, and you know, Juventus cut us up in the midfield. The, the that whole situation on the left side was very very poor. So I'm glad that at halftime Ancelotti took both of those players off. <laughs> I mean, an inform Fauzi Gulam and a properly used Fauzi Gulam. Uh, has more than four crosses in 45 minutes. He has at least 12. So, yeah. you know, he had, he had four. He didn't, none of them were accurate, but he attempted four crosses. I mean, I, there are games where Fauzi Gulam walks off the pitch after he crosses the ball before he gets off the damn bus. Okay. <laughs> Some, something's not right with that guy. And he got, he got brought off for another guy who ain't right, Mario Rui. <laughs> you guys need a left back. Get to he's work. Not, he's not right in the head. He's tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a left back right now. I, right now, between the two of them, you have half a left back if you have anything. So we've got, we've got, we've at least got Teo Hernandez once he gets healthy, and we could probably loan you Ricardo Rodriguez because that guy's that guy stinks too. And the <laughs> and the combination of those three guys, Ricardo three Rodriguez, you'd have yeah, there you go, Rodriguez, Fauzi Gulam, and Mario Rui. You'd have three quarters of a left back. You'd have a shot. <laughs> so, I mean. Did you get? Did you, by the way, I asked you. Did you? Did you guys, by the way, read my question I had for you guys for the Far From Vesuvius pod? Because I just want to know: Does Mario Rui have compromising pictures of Ancelotti? Does he have him of De Laurentiis? Does he have him of 
both it, both together. What's it's going funny. on? How does he still get pitch time? I said it. I must have missed it that when you sent it, so we didn't get to it on the air. But I I said it, you know, either privately to someone, or I don't know if I said it publicly. But I every coach has their one bugaboo player, you know, like one player that you're like, why does this guy play him all the time? And Mario Rui is Ancelotti's right now. Mm-hmm. To Rui's credit, when he came on against Juventus yesterday, he played extraordinarily well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just reel in the negative comments about him for now because the way he played in the second half was a stark difference to the way that Gulan played in the first half. So sure, sure, and and the uh, and the introduction of Mexican international Herving Lozano. Uh, coming on for Lorenzo Insigne, uh, and then all of a sudden, Napoli starts to come to life a little bit, but it would be Juventus making it 3-0 um, after some, once again, that man Douglas Costa. And I'll just say this now, and Rocco, um, this can be, you, you can debate this, you can you can agree with me, whatever. Douglas Costa was man of the match in this game for me with the way that he bossed things. I mean, he had the advantage of being on the side where half a left back was playing. Um but uh, he comes through with the assist again and, and makes gives Ronaldo a pretty easy one, three 0 to Juve. And um, I mean, first of all, comment on Douglas Costa's performance, and then secondly, at three 0 you've got to think game set match. It's Juventus, right? They don't give away three 0 leads, do they? <laughs> yeah, me and my watching party were all uh, jovial at that point kind of uh, 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 wringing our hands and, you know, sitting back, relaxing in our stools and, you know, chomping on some nachos and having a swig of beer, uh, you know, feeling pretty good about ourselves, uh, being up 3-0, you know, knowing and being used to uh, not giving up goals uh, easily, especially not three. Uh, but before I get to that, yeah, uh, Douglas Costa is the player that Juventus right now uh, with the installment of Sarri, is, uh, is is the number one candidate for quote most improved, Agreed. especially since especially since he's a bad boy. You know, he's like these kids that in, in school, you know, you, you you know they're really intelligent, really smart, but they're just lazy, or they're just and not that Douglas Costa is lazy, but I'm giving you just stick with me with the example. Uh, you know, they're lazy or something; they just don't apply themselves. And, you know, and this is like the one teacher that, uh, quote, you know, turns that on, right? Turns that one feature uh, on. So, you know, and, and this is this is what Sari is. Sari is that teacher for Douglas Costa. I think Douglas Costa is, as I said, stands to be the most um, uh, improved or most impact, could be even most impactful player with the installment of Sari. He's uh, um, out of his shell, out of his... Out of a little cage, it seemed as though, uh, you know, Allegri kind of painted him in this box that he couldn't uh, kind of escape and maybe out of frustration um, or for some other reason just couldn't um, couldn't manage to, to break out and to truly express to the fullest his uh, his immense talent. So I think yeah, Douglas Costa was fantastic. Uh, I think um, Higuain had a superb match, not only for the game, but for the goal, sorry, but his the abnegation that that he shows and he showed throughout uh Kedira much to the chagrin of many Juventus fans who who dislike uh Kedira and I, I must say many times he's he's made me scratch my head 
Um, but he's had he keeps on having that ability to put himself in extremely good goal scoring positions, uh, making the game play more fluid. And uh, you know, lo and behold, after after he was subbed off and Emre Can came on, who's a very similar player to uh, to, to to Kedira in in many aspects, uh, you know, that's when that's when uh, coincidentally the uh, the game was turned around. So yeah, no, I didn't expect the uh, the what turned out to be a fantastic uh, comeback by by Napoli. Yeah. Sorry, um, I will say this, Rocco, that I say a little bit, give you a little bit something to chomp about Saudi and maybe what could turn into a negative thing. And a positive thing about him is that when he finds those one or two or three or four, or however many players it is that will fit exactly what he wants to do, that player will just explode and you'll be like, I cannot believe that we're getting this return out of this player. Not that I think Douglas Costa is ever a bad player. I always thought that he was a player at Juve that scared me the most. Even last year when they bring in Ronaldo, when Douglas Costa is healthy, he's their most threatening player. 1v1, bursts of pace, can turn a defender inside out. And if he fits into Sadi's system the way that it seems like he's going to, I don't even think he'll be best, not even just best improved player, but he's going to end up being potentially the best winger in Serie A. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's similar to the way that Merton, it happens with it happened with Mertens at Napoli, where yeah. obviously there was other circumstances that brought this out. But once he found that groove, and once Sadi realized, "Wow, I've got onto something here," it just it's like a it's like a yes. nuclear explosion that happens inside the player, and something comes out of them that you never thought was there. He really sinks his teeth into it, right? Like a yeah. like a lockjawed dog. Yeah. Rabid. <laughs> yeah. But then we would. But then we would find. Where the experience of a Giorgio Chiellini would be missed, we would find where the game management of a Massimiliano Allegri would be missed. 3-0 with Juventus wasn't safe. Never in my wildest dreams would I ever think that about a Juventus team in all my years. But uh, just four minutes after Ronaldo's goal, Manolas heads in on a cross from Mario Rui to make it 3-1. And just two minutes after that, Zielinski finds Herving Lozano uh, to make it three goals to two, and suddenly, suddenly, to everybody's bewilderment, game on. And then Ancelotti makes a substitution. He brings out Allen. He brings on El Elgif Elmas, and everybody that doesn't support Napoli, that is neutral, is looking at this and saying, "Why are you Ooh. taking? Why are you taking out your ball winner?" <laughs> You're down one. You still might need him. But this Elmas kid came in and ran things from a, you know, from a deep lying position and played. Ken, this. Oh, here you go, kid. You're going to take out our we're going to take out our ball winner. We need you to take the ball and run the show from deep lying positions. And he did. He did. Yeah. This kid's quality. Where do yeah. you guys dig this guy out of? I mean, uh. I'm going to answer the the bit about Elmas because I think I I really think that he's gonna he has the potential to be a a very very good player for us and Ancelotti has only said like superlative things about him and he's only been with the club for a month I, I he's got a lot of potential to be uh, tapped into there and I mean credit has to go to uh, Juntoli and 
uh, you know, Ancelotti and his and his team on, you know, finding this kid and just it, within a, it seemed like within like a week, it was okay, they're interested, boom, here we go, documents are signed and he was with the team and he's, he's really integrated well, which is cool. But I mean, the comeback, listen, 3-0 down, I think a lot of Napoli fans are on the verge of shutting the match off at that point, just because you don't want to just see this train wreck deteriorate any further. And we get one back with Manolas and then once Lozano scored, obviously we're like, okay. This is a thing now. And, I, and I'll say this, uh, when Ancelotti deserves both some, some flack for the way he technically set up the team at the start, which I thought was poor, but also on the flip side of that deserves some serious credit for recognizing his tactical errors and correcting them at halftime because Gulam comes off, who was a disaster, and Singa comes off, who was... Seems like maybe had a little bit of a, of a niggle or so, something, some sort of slight injury that's not serious. But I think he had all, a hard time getting into the game too. Personally, also, also was not good. I thought he made Insigne. At times, just doesn't use his tactical brain at all and just wants right. to take the match. Try to take the match on his shoulders, and and it doesn't mm-hmm. when it doesn't come off, it just sort of snowballs and gets worse and worse, and the decision making gets worse and worse. And then he needs to be subbed off and apparently wasn't happy about it, but this is, you didn't play very well. Sorry. Sure. So Lozano comes on Napoli go flat four four two pretty much back to the way they played most of last season. They move Fabian further back. They move Zielinski out to the left. They put Allen back in his more comfortable, you know, right center mid position. And you sort of have Lozano as a free sort of second striker where he's on the left, he's down the middle, he's down the right. And I thought Lozano completely changed the complexion of the game. Um, I thought that he gave all of Juventus's defenders a a real problem. Uh, He brings pace. He's he's very tenacious, which I really like to see in his first match. He's got a lot of... uh, He's got a lot of guile in him, which I think is is really good, and it's going to serve really well at Napoli. It's that sort of... That's that type of player we like to see, someone that you know, doesn't sort of fade in and out of matches. And I think as a substitute, it just it came out even more because he just really came on and made an impact when we needed it most. And his goal was, I mean, Zielinski's cross in is beautiful, but that finish is yes. under pressure. Really, really nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, Elmas, I mean, it's uh, it's a ballsy move by Ancelotti. Really is. When he came on, I was like, okay. I, I guess you're going to try to go for a little bit more of an offensive setup, but what Elmas brings to the table for someone who one is 19 and two is playing, you know, in a huge match in his second time ever in Serie A is that he showed that he ha- also has balls and not just Ancelotti for bringing him on. Um, I thought he was also done, you know, a little bit dirty at the very end there with the with that foul that that ended up being the match winning goal. I thought that. Maybe it was a little bit of a touchy call, but uh, and it was like that foul was against him. But I thought he played really well. I think he's, just, I think he has the potential to be a special player. I think that um, all credit due, like I said, to Ancelotti and Juntili for bringing him in. He's just, he's very, very composed for a 19 year old kid, and it's and, and that magnitude of a match. Maybe it's just that sort of youthful ignorance that that made that just made him shine out. But it really was nice to see, and even if it was only 20 minutes, yeah. They would get the equalizer through Giovanni Di Lorenzo uh, on a ball played in by uh, Jose Callejon to make it 3-3. So, Rocco, I'm going to come back to you. Um, 
Matthias Delic uh, seems to be public enemy number one in all of this. Uh, young, I mean, a lot of money got spent on this guy, but we leave out the fact that this is a 20-year-old kid adapting to a new league, um, mm-hmm. learning the ropes, learning how to defend, you know, let's say learning how to defend like an Italian. He's not Giorgio Chiellini in any stretch. How much of this... Okay, I'm, I, I tweeted, look, poorly, probably a poorly timed take here, but Juventini tried to digest this. This does not happen under Massimiliano Allegri, number one, mm-hmm. so comment on that. Um, and then also comment on Delict. It's going to be a growing pain thing. Without Chiellini, that Bonucci-Delict partnership is going to make opponents of Juventus think they can, they can get some goals on them. Yeah, no, definitely was a shocker for us to see and to give up uh, three goals in a in a match. I can't remember. I I, I asked my uh, my uh, viewing party there. I said, when was the last time Juventus gave up three goals in a in a game? Period. Right? It, it, how how rarely does this does this kind of this take place? Um, especially this kind of a blackout type situation. So. Uh, you know, this is kind of the product of uh, a, a number of variables. One, still learning a, a new, uh, a new tactical setup, and and you know, and and of course, to answer the first question you asked me, the very first question you asked me in the podcast, and when we started talking about this game, is, you know, this is why uh, Sarri and Martuscello have approached these first two matches, the August football, the August Serie A games. As you know, let's go with the with the old band band members who know how to play, you know, by memory all of our they our entire set list, right? Mm-hmm. So with the lit the 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 chain the, the 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 switch was forced. He himself, I don't even know what language he's con- communicating with Bonucci, uh, <laughs> what language he's using because I know he's, he hasn't learned Italian. Um, I don't know what level of English Bonucci can speak, and as, as far as as far as you know, communicating the uh, the subtleties of of uh, the art of defending, and you know, he he looked at times like he had he, he was either gassed or lost, especially on the Lozano, uh, what on the on the play that led up to the Lozano goal. You know, his job there was to chase uh, down and 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 be the first person in to cover the ball on the first post instead he halfway through he just totally gives up and and hits hits the brakes and looks behind them to see oh who else can i cover and in the meantime you know um the i think it was alexandro on the far right was left with the job eventually of covering lozano and of course he couldn't it was too late he couldn't get to him um also on the uh on the the lorenzo goal I, i believe he he, you know, he could have done a little better there, but you know, again, we we go back to old habits. You know, if, for for you who ask me, well, these goals don't happen under Allegri. You know, I I would I would maybe uh, counter that if I if I was trying to be if I was forced to be Allegri's uh, uh, defend defense. You know, defense lawyer. I would say, well, you know, how many times did Juventus like, give up goals on a on a dead ball situation? You know that that would not that would still that that still happened right, and we had that happen twice. Um, maybe Chesney could have done a little better on one of those two. Uh, maybe been a little more courageous and to come out 
and try to punch that out or try to trap it if, if possible. Um, so, you know, it's, it's that, that's, there's, those are the actual episodes, right? If we look at goals in, in a vacuum, that's, that's the analysis. But, and this is why, why I'd like to bring in Ken and maybe to educate me on, on Saribol a little bit, because I've gotten, I got, I was left with a distinct impression that Saribol is either pedal to the metal, you're playing, you're attacking, you're seeking goals, or it's absolute, like you're, you're, you're crumbling, you're folding in. Like there isn't a type of, oh, you know, let's kind of slow down the game rhythm. Let's get this, you know, let's start do a little bit of ball possession, you know, slow things down so the so that the adversary or our opponent doesn't get like all riled up and, 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 and you know, increasing the rhythm and increasing and trying to, you know, get faster and, 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 and attack us. So that's kind of what I was left with. Is this the it was this the experience uh, that you saw as a Napoli fan under Sarri and under Sarri's Napoli? Well, so I think part of the problem for Juventus right now is integration, um, like like you've been saying, and it just takes a little bit of time. I mean, I, we we go over it all the time that Sadi's first five matches in Napoli were a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, obviously, the quality of players he has at Juventus is a little bit different than what he took over at Napoli. But either way, there's obviously an integration process uh, when it comes to uh, Sadi, and especially coming off of the style of football you played under Allegri. Um, secondly, and we found this, and this is part of the reason why I say that it's important for Juventus and any team that Sadi coaches to integrate more than 13 or 14 players is, is that his teams are always tired in the second half of a game because of the way they play. Always. It always happens this way. And like some games you're going to win six nil and it's not going to matter you can just sort of take your foot off the gas and just absorb the pressure a little bit. But that sort of constant high press, constant push, like and you saw it in the first 30 minutes of the game especially, mm-hmm. the, the press was so high and so intense that now and Napoli had no answers for it. Mm-hmm. And that, that sort of that 65 to 75-minute phase of the game at times, it, it just sort of is a little bit of a foot off the gas mode. And usually yeah. he does You use like that sort of possession football to sort of use that as a – as a way of defense, just sort of hold the ball, move it around. You know, the, the, it, the, the pressing is still there, but it's sort of more, it's, it's a little passive. bit more, yeah, passive and sort of like educated pressing instead of that, like full on, you know, Gagan press kind of thing that he does. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I also think that, you know, with delict and listen, anybody who's gonna, who's gonna, you know, v- villainize this guy, needs to just take a step back. Um, there's a reason why Juventus paid the price they did. There's a reason why he's he's has the plaudits that he does. And you can see the effect it's had on Ajax already, who are not exactly flying high coming into the Champions League this year. They scraped away with, with, with a win um, to even qualify for the proper tournament. So... Mm-hmm. I think you. I think any Juventus fan who is who thinks that you know, Delict for whatever reason is not the answer. He's twenty years old. He's going to be a, a world class player. He already is. He has, mm-hmm. this is his first game in a huge match. First time playing with Benucci. First time playing with any of these guys competitively, really. And they need to give him a little bit of time. I, I do think that he need. 
eventually Juventus is going to have to find that pair. Like at Napoli, you had one sort of very forward-moving, high-pressing defender in Koulibaly and one sort of anchor-style center back who didn't move and sort of con- helped conduct play in in Albiol. And, you know, time will tell to see who those two players are. I don't think Juventus will struggle to find them. But it's just a little – I think it's, these are just little growing pains. Um, and, you know, if you have these growing pains and you end up winning the match, then, you know, they're a little bit easier to, sw- to swallow, you know? And yeah, Ken, man. I, I mean, what I was saying, what I was thinking is, as the question was being formulated, was, hey, you know what, man? I mean, De Litt and and Bonucci, they're not exactly what you would call, you know, your ideal center back yeah. pairing, right? Like, I and I, you you characterize it one way. I care. I kind of maybe in a more reductionist way will say that it's a it's a good cop bad cop type center back pairing that you want. And you know, Chiellini and Bonucci. Did it? Did that so well because because of those roles were very well defined. I see Delict as not being the bad cop that Gellini is, yeah. And you know, and perhaps a Demiral type of at least from what we've seen and and, and the little we've seen. And again, that's you know we don't have a large body of uh, of, of of evidence and enough games under to in order to to draw these conclusions. But the type of of a defender he is he is much more of a of a paulo montero pablo montero than a than a than a, than a fabio cannavaro type, type of uh, center back and i think that with bonucci those two those two would actually be a better pair than than with delict um but you know that said we have i haven't seen enough of, of delict i haven't seen enough uh, i mean other than what's whatever's on youtube videos and uh, and I haven't seen enough of uh, of Demiral in order to make uh, a conclusion right now. Well, it's the drama. The drama would not end after uh, the three three. Uh, we get into stoppage time. A free kick for Juventus. Uh, Pjanic plays it into the penalty area. Koulibaly runs onto it, tries to clear it away, miss hits it, and into his own goal uh, to put Juve ahead. Four three and give them the win. Um, kind of a, I mean, just an unfortunate way for the match to end. I mean, yeah, Juventini are clearly going to say we'll take it. Um, Napoli. I mean, Ken. On the one end, you got to feel gut punched, but on the other end, you've got to probably walk away from this and say, hey, we went to the J. We were three 0 down. We came back and nearly got something out of this. I mean, as far as title prospects are concerned, okay, this is a dropped three points against a direct title rival, the defending, the eight-time defending champion. But you can't help but feel good about your prospects after a match like this, right? Yeah, you know, listen, I I think in the aftermath of the match, I felt more horrible for Koulibaly personally than I did for the for us losing the match. Um, and I think part of that is that it's early in the season. But I mean, the, you know, watching it with certain, I think characterizing it as a gut punch is a pretty good way to put it. You know, this is basically the last, essentially the last kick of the match, really. There's 30 seconds left. The ball comes in. There's no, there's not even a Juventus player really directly competing for this ball. And it just, Koulibaly just mishits it the one time out of a thousand clearances that he gets it wrong. And, you know, Napoli fans will say that Koulibaly has not been very good the first two matches and he hasn't been at his best, but, you know, 
I feel bad for the guy. He's still one of the best defenders in Serie A, if not the world. And I think that he's had a little bit of a long summer. He played with Senegal all summer. He didn't participate in any of preseason at all. He got to the team a week before the season started, essentially. So he's got a new center back partner in Manolas. You know, it it, it sucks. But to this, to your point, Frank, you know, to see the the guile and the and the you know the fortitude to come back in a match like this uh, has to be sort of the the uh, the icing on on a kind of a you know the vanilla icing on kind of a shit cake. You know, it's a it's a it's um <laughs> yeah it. It it sucks, but at the same point, you know, you got to go into the international break feeling okay. You know, you you when you win your first game on the road. Napoli had two tough games on the road to start the season. <laughs> to start on the road against Fiorentina with a new owner and a and a sort of reinvigorated fan base in a team that's always given us problems, and you get a win, and you have to go right after that to the J, and you come back and you show the guts and nearly come back and get something out of it, uh, even if it is taken away at the very end. Sure. Um, and just a quick point about um, Lozano and, and his impact. Um, first of all, he's only the fifth Mexican player in Serie A ever, and I thought that was weird to see. And he's the first, you know, he's the first one in a long time to actually score a goal in Serie A. Um, and he's scored on his debut for Napoli, but he also has a little bit of a penchant for scoring on his debut. He scored in his first match for Pachuca in Mexico, scored his first match uh, when he played for PSV, scored his first competitive match for Mexico, scored his first goal in his first match in the World Cup, scored his first goal in his first match in the Champions League, and now his first goal in his first match in Napoli. So kind of a crazy, weird stat, but he has a uh, he likes to make an impact right away. But, yeah, I think I think going into the break, Napoli will be able to integrate a little bit. It's sort of – it's – it's a little bit different from what Juventus has to deal with with a whole new setup, but with just Napoli, with just some new players and players coming back late. And Koulibaly has already said he's not going to go play with Senegal um, for this international break. He's going to stay in Italy and get up to match fitness. And it's the same with Fabian, who played in the international tournament this this offseason as well. So, you know, I, I think we feel okay. We have four of the next five matches at home uh, in a restyled Sao Paulo, um, which is which I'm really excited to see. We come back, we play Sampdoria at home, who have been an absolute disaster. So hopefully that'll be three points, and we, then we play Liverpool right after that. So you know, we're getting. I, I feel I feel fairly optimistic. I think this team has a lot of uh, the players we brought in this year. I think are, are difference makers, and I think Di Lorenzo had a really really good match against you know one of the best three players in the world lining up directly opposite him. So <laughs> it's pretty, it was sure. okay. Rocco, um, are you, okay. What emotion weighs out to you should, should weigh out to Juventini more? Is it, you know, the, the joy of the first 60 minutes or is it the, uh, sweat of the last 30 minutes? I mean, w- what prevails here for you guys in this win? It, it, it was really, it, it was really two different sides of, of 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 the same coin and of the same of the same match. It was almost actually it was almost as if there were two completely different games. The first sixty minutes uh, have hold a lot of promise, uh, and uh, we hope we'll be telling of the future uh, and of what we will see once the team uh, is 
up to physical speed to withstand 90 minutes of that kind of soccer or maybe 85 minutes of that kind of soccer and hopefully you won't give up three goals in five in those other five minutes uh and at the same time you know uh fear in terms of what uh, can happen when we see that high press um and and having the, our opponents getting behind us very often and very dangerously um a lot of work that still needs to to happen uh, it's still early days. It's an it's an easy excuse uh, and, a, and, a, and an easy uh, you know it is an excuse, but it, it's a um, it's a good excuse. It's an alibi. It's a proper alibi. So sure. the you know uh, and 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 just to to wrap up on uh, on what Ken was saying, yeah, and and on the match as a whole, uh, you know, we started saying that yeah, it's a little bit too early to have this this level of of uh, a match maybe it would have been better as the you know, game week seven or eight or later right. uh, in order to then have the return match happening in April as it did um, uh, a, a number of years for a number of uh, seasons uh, you know questions of chemistry and whatnot you know still not being settled but as a result we got a goal fest of seven goals uh, and you know that that was probably part of one of the things that contributed to that. And besides the technical aspects that we already discussed, is the fact is the mental aspect, which uh, neither of these two games will be decisive for the title. No. On the and on the whole, perhaps they will be if if you know Juventus and Napoli are, are close enough in terms of points, and you know then you start to look at the head to head as a as a potential factor. But, you know, this that the fact that it wasn't decisive on the title, whether it was the first one or whether the, the return match at the San Paolo uh, will be decisive. No, I don't think it will be. And it will contribute to a little more free flow and a little uh, less um, uh, uh, kind of anxiety and nervousness by by both sides. It's going to be interesting how it goes uh, here down the road for both of your teams and uh you know, included in that is the Champions League now. The draw did come out. Uh, and, Rock, I'm going to kick it back to you. Group D, uh, headlined by the Bianconeri, uh, and they draw a, uh, a team that's going to be very um, angry and have a lot of revenge on their mind in Atletico Madrid. Um, also, uh, rounding out that group, Bayer Leverkusen from Germany and Lokomotiv Moscow from Russia. You'd think, okay, favored to win the group, Atletico might overtake them. They could finish second, but you know, I mean, Leverkusen could be thorny enough, and then the the trip to Russia never is fun. Uh, so, uh, your thoughts on this group for uh, Juventus? One of the first things I did was uh, I, I when I saw the schedule come out, I said I looked at, at it and I said, when are we going to Russia? What is it? September? Is it October? No, it's at the beginning of November. Uh, so it could have it could be worse. It could have mm-hmm. could have been worse that way. Uh, that said, of course, locomotive is um, uh, very much not a locomotive, uh, i.e., the the head of the train, but rather the the very last car in this train of four uh, uh, teams that make up this group uh, group D in the Champions League. And Juventus, being part one, has almost by right to be the favorite to. Uh, to come out and win it and win it on top and come out on top in order to get 
the best seating possible, especially considering how much uh, Juventus has invested uh, in, um, uh, in in the offseason and in, in the last couple of offseasons in order to make Champions League a, uh, a one priority. For for us, Lokomotiv Mos, uh, sorry, uh, Bayern, Bayer Leverkusen is, um, I, I wished for a little softer third pot opponent, to be honest. Um, we, I think, uh, they're, they're, if not the hardest one, uh, it, they're the, among the, the top two, uh, uh, toughest opponents in that, in that, uh, third pot. And as far as, uh, Atletico Madrid, you know, it could have been worse. We could have gotten Real, we could have gotten, um, other play, other, other really tough opponents, you know, your second pot is always going to be your toughest opponent. Um, a lot of this has to do with the moment. And what what the moment and the momentum of the team is when we uh, when we will play them and when we will face them. Uh, as I said, we are going. It's it's the fourth official match of the season. Uh, this time around will be uh, uh, arguably the toughest Champions League match of this group stage when we when we go to the uh, Wanda Metropolitano, where we uh, we uh, dropped the two nothing loss there in the in the round of sixteen last year. Going to the Wanda on match day one probably actually helps Juventus's uh, yeah. cause for possibly winning this group, getting that fixture out of the way, uh, and then having five fixtures and a possible 15 points out of all of them to go ahead and seize control. So, you know, get that one out of the way. Get out of there with a draw if you can. But, you know, it may be a narrow win. But uh, I, I, when I looked at this group, I said Juventus should win it. Um, Atletico is going to give them a push, but the other two teams, I just I think are going to Leverkusen is going to fall short. And I, I, I agree that while going to Russia is tough, Lokomotiv is going to uh, uh, really just be there to make up the numbers. Now, Ken, um, you get an old friend, a team that you guys <laughs> almost knocked out at the group stage. Uh, had Milik scored that uh, chance there late at Anfield. Uh, yes. We could be talking about a totally different story, and Liverpool would not be European champions. They would have been in the Europa League. So you get them again, and then you get Salzburg, and you get Genk. Um, a Salzburg team that is going to... Genk's making up the numbers here. Liverpool's Liverpool, and then a Salzburg team that they're going to play their way, and they don't care who they're playing against. I, I learned this from just kind of learning about them a little bit from their uh, time in the Europa League. But even then, it's still a bridge too far. I mean, clearly, Napoli either win, either wins this group or finishes second. Yeah, we get two fast friends from last year. We played Liverpool in the Champions League twice, and we played Salzburg in the Europa League. Um, so two teams we're familiar with, Genk, obviously. Um, you know, they're the Belgian champions, for what that's worth. Um, I think as a Napoli fan... Um, this is way better than last year's draw, so I'm not going to complain. Uh, we don't have a sneaky Liverpool in pot three this year, so uh, to sort of give us hell. Uh, I thought our pot three draw could have been much worse. I thought uh, Valencia or Bayer Leverkusen would have been the teams I would have wanted to avoid. We did that. Uh, I said it on Far From Vesuvius last week. There's no excuses this year to get out of the group. For get sure. your t- Get your 12 points against the two weaker teams and let the chips fall where they may against Liverpool, and you have nothing to worry about. Um, it's not going to be easy in Austria. It's not going to be easy in Belgium. But there's to me, 
there's no excuse. Napoli have got to get to the knockout stage this year. Um, and there's no ex- they have the they have the club, they have the quality, they have the draw. Now they just gotta kick it into gear and make it happen. I've already I've already given the knee jerk reaction, and I still stick with it. The more that I think about it, I think all four Ital- all four Serie A teams are getting out of their groups. Uh, Inter is going- the hardest road, I think. But they definitely have the hardest road, but they were a goal away last year in a very similar setting. Uh, instead of Dortmund, it was Tottenham, and they're they're better coached this year. Uh, the talent is far more upgraded than it was a season ago. Um, everything is in place for them to to finish the drill and get it done. I get Dortmund's going to be very difficult. Clearly, Barcelona, you know, Barcelona is Barcelona. Uh, but I like their prospects for finishing second at the expense of Borussia Dortmund and going through. And I love Atalanta's draw. Uh, I, I can't wait. That group That's C. That's a possible draw for them. Yeah. I think it's the best C, draw they could have gotten. Yeah. Group C is loaded with goals. Loaded. When you think of man, obviously there's Manchester City. You, you think of how Shakhtar Donetsk plays. Uh, Dinamo Zagreb, they're going to have no choice. They're going to have to play. Uh, when you look at this in Atalanta, I mean, Gasparini is going to play his style, and he doesn't care who he's going to play it against, but I think that they are capable of finishing second in this group. I just can't wait for those games against Manchester City because if Atalanta bring their game, that's gonna, those games are going to be like 5-3 in both yeah. legs. Yeah. <laughs> so, Atalanta's group reminds me of the first year that Napoli were in Champions League um, where they, yeah. had Man, they had Man City, they had, they had Bayern, but... It's still a group that I was like, this isn't the worst we could get out of it. I think, you know, Atalanta steals a point away uh, from Man City somewhere, whether it's at home or 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 away or whatever. I think they could beat Dinamo Zagreb. And Shakhtar is a not believe struggled with them in the past, but I still think that Atalanta could end up finishing second at the end of this uh, at the end of this group. I, sure. I really think they I think they could. I think a lot of it depends on their form in the league and how tired their players are towards the end. Cause I, you know, their squad just like a lot of these teams who get into the champions league. Um, sometimes they just don't have that depth. So it, it will be a test and going to Ukraine is tough. Yeah. Tough. That will sure. be the ultimate one. I agree. I, yep. The, uh, the, the Ukraine uh, away match uh, will probably be the key match that Atalanta that will, will, will be telling of the fate of Atalanta in Europe sure. this year. My pick for this group, to be honest, guys, sorry to to be to kind of poop on the party, but I, I think Atalanta is going uh, has really really good prospects of making it through to the uh, uh, Europa League, which, to be honest, is a it would be a much better fit for them than the round of sixteen be be somebody's lunch for the round of sixteen uh, in in the Champions League, uh, and instead, I think they could. With with the with the roster that they have, I think they and if, especially if they key on it, uh, they would do really well. I think in in uh, in a Europa League uh, type situation, should they be quote relegated uh, sure. to that by coming in third place in Group C? Sure, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait to see see these games. Um, so that's uh, that's the wrap on Juve Napoli, the Champions League prospects for the Serie A teams. There's eight other games to talk about, including the Derby <laughs> della Capitale. Let's get to it. And we'll jump on that Derby della Capitale. And I mean, had it not been for what went down at Cagliari, we would have given this a lot more time. Um, but Lazio and Roma 
ended 1-1. It was a goal, uh, a penalty by Alexander Kolarov after a clear and obvious handball by Sergei Milinkovic-Savic that the referee spotted right away and gave the penalty right away. Referees have had a problem with spotting clear and obvious handballs this season, and uh, good that they caught this one at least. Um, Lazio prior and, and around that hit the post or hit the woodwork three times in the first 25 minutes. Uh, they would eventually get their equalizer in the 58th minute through Luis Alberto after Chirim, after Sergei Milinkovic-Savic won the ball on the right-hand flank, played in Immobile, and Immobile unselfishly drops the ball back to Alberto for the goal uh, to equalize. And Lazio won one against Roma. Um, I'm going to just give this its own attention here, guys. I mean, I look at the stats in this game. I look at the way this game flowed. I mean, it was a great derby. It was a very entertaining match. Uh, but I really feel, Ken, I think Lazio dropped two points here with all yep. the chances that I they was, had. I was just going to mm-hmm. jump in and say that Lazio, I watched a match after. I worked today, so I watched a match later. Um, and Lazio, I didn't, okay, here's here's my hot take of the year. Roma is in big, big, big trouble this year. That's my, that's my, maybe it's, maybe it's more of a lukewarm take because I feel like maybe other people have the same opinion. But I think, I, I, I think Roma, seven. I had them yeah. seventh at preseason, so yeah. and I, I think, didn't change it. I think they're in big trouble. I think they're in big, big trouble. Um, Lazio dominated this game. Lazio could have easily won this game four or five one. I thought. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Also, a little bit of a of a um, appreciation for Luis Alberto, who I feel like is one of the more underappreciated players in all of Serie A. I feel I he's one of my favorite players who doesn't play for Napoli. I, he's always. Anytime I watch him play for Lazio, I'm like, man, that's a type of player that doesn't really exist that much anymore. Um, he had a his little bit first, of a downgrade last year, but his first two games this season are better than anything he did last season. Yep, he's he's also my sleeper in my Fantacalcio team. So thanks, Luis Alberto. Um, I have but, him on my team too. Yeah, he's, but it's uh, I think Th- thanks I think for that, are, Frank. <laughs> I think Roma's very lucky to get a point in this. Uh, they just don't look right. Um, and I don't think what they're doing here late in the transfer market is going to make any significant impact. Um, moving Sheik out and bringing in, <laughs> bringing in Kalinic and eh, I don't know. Roma's in, to me, Roma's in trouble. Lazio Lazio has a sneaky chance to be in top four, and Roma's in big trouble. Yep. Your thoughts yeah, on I, this? Your thoughts on this derby, Rocco? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree generally with what's been said so far. I, I was left with a distinct impression that Lazio was the better of the two Roman sides uh, uh, on the balance of the numerous uh, chances, egregious chances to score, um, you know, multiple goals. And I, I think they were hard done by uh, when, uh, when they saw their, they, when they went under by a goal in the first half. Uh, you know, of course, they made up for it in the second, but couldn't quite turn the tide completely uh, and were held off by their uh, crosstown rivals. Yep. So it was um, with all the with, with all, all apologies to our uh, Roman football fans. Sorry, we can't give you more of a uh, e- expanded review. I mean, and just Juventus and Napoli. Just uh, we have the Juventus and Napoli guest on. We had a lot to guest last week. Go back and listen to last week. <laughs> I guess I don't know what else to say. So um, but uh, but it, I mean, that's really the explanation that we can give. I mean, and I'll just be real quick about their. Europa League draws, uh, Lazio getting uh, Celtic, Ron, and Cluj. They should finish 
in that you really only need to finish top two. Uh, it's not so consequential whether you win the group or finish second, except for maybe yeah. a little bit of money that gets thrown your way. Um, but uh, it, qualifying from this group should be doable. Ron is very dangerous as a team. Yeah. Uh, an old an old friend who is familiar with Serie and Banyang is there. Um, you know, Celtic uh, has dropped off a little bit. Uh, you know, in Cluj, uh, you know, always a, a always a dangerous fixture. These Eastern European teams can bring something here to the table, especially they tend to be the ones that make the Europa League like this. Most of them tend to be really invested in it. So, um, you know, it's it's a tricky group for Lazio, but one that they should get through. Uh, for Roma, it's um, it's uh, München Gladbach from Germany, uh, Istanbul Basaksehir here from uh, Turkey, and then Wolfsburg from Austria. Which you know you can't have not Wolfsburg from Germany because you uh-huh. can't have two teams from the same country in the same group. But um, and it's also B E R G, not B U R G. So that's right. When I saw that, I was like, "What? How did that happen?" I know München Gladbach's German and Wolfsburg, yeah. and yeah. then I looked at their at their uh, logo, and I said, "Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me let me Google this. Where, where is Wolfsburg? Anyway, it's in Austria. Yeah. We're gonna have to look. <laughs> no, it's in um, Austria. In Austria, I, it's I in Austria. Yeah. yeah, yep. München, 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 Gladbach will be you know just because they come from the Bundesliga, they're gonna be interesting. And Basaksehir, here, they invested a couple of years ago. They still have some players left over from that, but nothing really to get worried about in my opinion Roma's going to get out of this no problem so if Lazio and Roma care about this competition um they should be in the last 32 uh you know after the new year so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes um all right as for the rest of the games uh, it all started on Friday Bologna beating Spall one goal to nil I saw this game Bologna should have won about six or seven nil had it not been for Etri Parisha uh Sansoni and Orsolini in particular were fantastic Soriano getting a late goal um, from Orsolini to seal the win uh, over Spall. Um, so they, uh, Bologna, three points under Sinisa Mihailovic, his first home game since uh, being diagnosed with leukemia and was again on the touchline for it. Um, Milan winning 1-0 over Brescia. Hakan Chalhanolu scoring uh, there to give Milan the win. Um, and then uh, going a little bit further, we've got, uh, let's see, five more games. Uh, Atalanta 2, Torino 3. Uh, Bonifazi opening the scoring, uh, Zapata getting a brace for Atalanta, Berenguer and Itzo. There's a lot of four of these five goals were quality. Oh, that uh, second Zapata goal was so good, outstanding, oh, was one of my favorite. So goals. good, yeah. yeah, no problem, no, no fight there. Um, I, I, I agree with you there. Um, uh, uh, Bonifazi and Itzo just on point set pieces from Baselli on both of those. Uh, you know, to give Torino the win and Torino on six points. Yeah, Torino, uh, another up. team. Shout out to Rafa, who said this last year, but I think Torino, if they get their ducks in a row, is another team that could sneakily be that. This year's Atalanta. I think Matsadi's got those guys motivated and ready to go. I think you see a, I think you see Bellotti get back to his his ways, and and I just and I think Itso is one of these players that, man, he he gets a winner today, but he's a great player. I, I think that Torino could. Could do something this year, potentially. And another, and another bounce back win after losing to Wolves uh, in yeah. the Europa League qualifying, which is impressive. I mean, uh, I I tip Torino to be a team that might get stale this season under Mazzotti, but uh, so far they're proving me wrong. Uh, Genoa two, Fiorentina one. Uh, did, the recurring theme of uh, Zapata scoring goals. Christian got in on the act. 
to put Kwame's uh, goal was great. Uh, Kwame's, goal. Yeah, Kwame's goal was outstanding. Uh, and then a late uh, Polgar penalty to spoil my uh, clean sheet for Radu from my fantasy team. Um, but uh, Genoa gets the uh, 2-1 win. Uh, Sassuolo 4, Sampdoria. Oh, boy, Sampdoria. We got a problem, don't we? Big, big um, problem. Big, big, big problem out there. Big, big problem. Francesco, if Francesco won't eat Panettone this year, guys. No, I don't he, think he so. He won't make it through Christmas. I don't think I, he'll make it through Christmas. They've got – this is also a team that did nothing to improve their team. They only got worse on paper over the over the course of the transfer market. I, they're a team that's going to finish somewhere in the 12th to 15th range, in my opinion, this year. They're taking a big drop off this year. Sad what, do you, what, do you, what do you guys think Ferrero's rage food is? <laughs> I don't know. He wants uh, to sell the club. So. He doesn't eat. He doesn't eat. He only he only snorts cocaine. <laughs> Everyone knows that. He'll, he'll, he's he'll angry. He's angry snorting cocaine because his team has got zero points, has scored one, and conceded yeah. seven. I mean, I mean, you want you want a true picture of what Ferrero is uh, after that four-one defeat to Sassuolo today. You know, think about Tony Montana in the final scene of Scarface with his head into the a mountain of mountain cocaine, of cocaine. And getting up. You know, and, you know, say hello to my little friend. Ba 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 ba. You know, that's it. That that's gonna be Di Francesco's in effigies of Di Francesco's falling off. You know, shooting him off the balconies. Uh, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Domenico Berardi with a hat trick. Sorry, Domenico. We had other things to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So really, a natural hat trick too. Boom, boom, boom. All within 15 minutes of each other too. Uh, the yeah. second one in particular, I really liked the uh, cross from Duncan uh, on that one. Um, but then uh, Hamed, Tri- Hamed Traore was a great signing for them, and then he steps up. Uh, you know, as far as being a midfield stopper for this uh, Swallow team, he yep. steps up and scores. Uh, Quadrella with a penalty that uh, provides a little bit of consolation for Sampdoria, but big, big problems right there um, under Eusebio Di Francesco, not starting well at all. Uh, Lecce nil, Verona won, Pessina with a goal in the 81st minute of two teams that are going to be in Serie B next season. Um, Ho- then, hopefully, hopefully Verona at least. Oh, they'll, 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 both, they'll both go down. Uh, you know, so... Um, that was Lecce's probably only chance at a win. Um, so yeah, they've, they've got shades of uh, of Benevento from a couple of years ago, where it's going to be a struggle for them to hit thirty points, twenty five points, maybe. Same most. Colors, thank you, yeah. thank you for that shades of Benevento. They're going to beat Milan twice now. Great, Ken. Appreciate it. <laughs> maybe maybe no goals from the goalie though. Good gravy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, great, great recall. Great recall. Yeah. I've spoken so little about Milan on this podcast, but they don't deserve to be talked about right now. So that's, um, and then we finish with Udinese one, Parma three, Lasagna with a uh, goal of the week candidate, um, very nice goal. Uh, Javino Lasagna on a Sunday is perfect, you know. Just saying, Lasagna on a Sunday is always good. Oh, I I won't I won't fight that. I won't fight that. I like that. I like it because I don't want to do anything on a Sunday, and you you get a nice, just sits in your gut, and you don't move. So and you just watch Calcio, you watch Calcio all day. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's a perfect Sunday. So Javinho equalizing uh, Galliola with a goal of the week candidate. And then uh, Roberto Inglesi finishing off the scoring for Parma to make it three goals to one. 32 goals this weekend, gentlemen. That I boring refuse... Serie A. Wow. No, no, no. We can't say that anymore. We've, just, we've, we've, reached, we've reached the point where we've got to stop saying that. We've reached. I can't remember who tweeted that. I think it was Alistair McKenzie, actually. 
uh, who tweeted that. He said, we need to stop doing this because we're, we're, we're just using that as we're, we're just using this as, 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 as if we still feel like we're like an inferior league. Um, but man, are we entertaining 65 goals in the first two match weeks of the yeah, season? Pretty wild. Yeah, it is just bonkers. Um, a few, a few topics on this batch of games. Um, okay. Can our Atalanta just going to be fun bad because three, two come from behind beating Spall last week, this week, losing three, two. So, you know, for me, Atalanta is in a weird place. And with the extra load of matches from champions league, um, and you know, they more or less have, aside from bringing in um, Muriel, um, they haven't really added anybody to this club. And if Golini is going to be their every week keeper, I think they might have some serious growing pains. Um, I know he's 24, but I, he doesn't look like he's really up to snuff for me anyway. Um, it, yeah, they could just be fun, bad, score a ton of goals, but concede a ton also. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, Rocco, um, Fiorentina, for all of the excitement with Comiso coming on as an owner, with the uh, the signings, with some of the promise and, and, and the direction, played two, no points. Okay, fine. Napoli in the first game, and they gave him a battle, but losing this one at Genoa, you know, an, you know a, a relatively improved Genoa side, still shows that Laviola still has a ways to go. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I, I, looking at the, at the transfer table, you know, you're looking at, wow, who, who really strengthened their team, their roster, and who, who weakened it, et cetera. And the two teams that, that if you look at it and you look at the names of who they added, are one of them is, number one, is uh, Fiorentina as far as, as far as some of the depth that they, that they brought on. Uh, and also holding on to Chiesa, and the other was the other one is Cagliari, and both of these teams so far, uh, I would say, have largely uh, disappointed in terms of uh, in terms of turning that hope and and that uh, that point of view into points. It, it speaks to the, to the fact that they there's a lot of uh, still integration that needs to take place, which is the seems to be the theme at the beginning of this season. So yeah, no, no, no surprise, no surprise there at all. I just going, just want to mention quickly about Atalanta. True, they did not add uh, anyone, but they also didn't dismantle as a lot of teams that make it uh, right. have a big breakthrough here, and you would have expected that with uh, not only players but also with Gasperini maybe going somewhere. And they all held on to that. Yeah, absolutely, though I do agree the situation is very fluid there. Um, the how they will do this year in Serie A will be a um, function of their their European experience and their ability to uh, to enact uh, and implement a uh, um, rotation man rotation. So we're going to see about them. I think today's game about Torino is a little with against Torino is a little false, to be fair, uh, because Torino's coming has was was uh, a team that started. Uh, they're about they're almost mid season. I'm not saying mid season form, but they're about a month ahead of most teams in terms of physical fitness and going the distance. In fact, you saw that they did that they gained their two goals, right? Their go ahead, their tying and go ahead goal to happen both late in the match when when I think Atalanta kind of felt like fell off uh, as far as physical fitness is concerned. So you know, I do expect Torino to uh, to have a bit of a of a tapering off and perhaps even a bit of a, of a fall in, in maybe two or three weeks, maybe three, yeah. about a month's time because, because they, 
we know with a lot of teams that played that that preseason, not the preseason, but the preliminary round in Europa League, they pay for it in October and November. And it happened with so many teams. I, I can't even, like Atalanta last year, it happened too. They completely fell off the face of the earth. Four or five consecutive losses there uh, and, and a number of others before. So let's, you know, be, let's, let's be careful. Uh, yeah, I would be careful about, about calling Torino, uh, even, even European worthy at this point. I'll, I'll be so brave, so bold to say that. Um, Ken, uh, Bologna, that team is scary as hell right now, the way they play with Orsolini and Sansoni on the flank, Soriano coming through the midfield. And uh, uh, if only they had a striker. Yeah, and they have the biggest motivation you could ever have right now um, in sort of playing for your manager in a way that you don't normally play for for your manager. Um, yeah, I mean, the moves they made at the end of last year to sort of strengthen that team. And they, what, what was surprising to me is that they ended up keeping both of those guys or you know were able to afford to keep um, both Soriano and Sansone. Um, and they made a lot of shrewd moves, you know, I mean, you bring in Eric Pulgar who, or you lose Eric Pulgar, but you bring in, uh, Gary Medell, who I know is a couple years removed from playing in Serie A, but still gives you back that, that grit in the midfield. Um, I watched, I I watched that game on Friday. He blew up. I know it was small, but he blew up everything. Yeah. He's, (laughs) he's just, he's. He he really is going to be that sort of bulldog type player, and they didn't really lose anybody of note. And I think, yeah, I mean, they really do miss it, having an out and out striker. I think you know, you know, you have Palacio is still there, you have Matteo Destro is still there, you have Santander who maybe is the best of those three options. Um, and just another quick point about Fiorentina, um, just going back a bit, they haven't won a match since February. Yeah. So and Mon- and Montella is a disaster of a coach. Yeah. So the fact that he was able to keep his job through the offseason is a miracle. He's another one that might not be eating panettone with uh, Di Francesco um, if they don't turn it around because I don't think Comiso is going to have a very long leash for him. So we should start a petition. We should start a petition and you know buy a panettone for Montella and Di Francesco. You know we we just <laughs> so at least they can share it. You know. They They're can't have yet. a whole one, but, you know, they'll be sitting there, you know, depressed as opposed to like, you know, <laughs> when when girls get dumped or disappointed by a guy eating ice cream straight out of the carton, you know, like they'll be eating the panettone. Straight you know, out straight of the box. Bag, just cutting straight out of the box. box. Out, yeah, that's it. Exactly. And they're just sharing it and, you know, and commiserating. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, Di Francesco and Montella aren't going to be long for this uh, Serie A world. And, um, you know, there's no idea. Medell is the most Mihailovic kind of player uh, yeah. that, that that you're going to see out there. So that's uh, that's pretty awesome to see. Uh, the only thing I'm going to add to this is, uh, you know, just my own my own club, Milan. You, you know, we said at the beginning teething problems. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to work with Giampaolo. Came under a little bit of criticism for wanting to change the tactics and change the team's shape. Well, I mean. And, and, and here's my commentary to that. I said, okay, for, for the longest time, we talked about him being really set in his ways, playing his 4-3-1-2. But 
this is the sign of being a good manager to realize, okay, the characteristics of the players that I have immediately available to me right now don't fit this. I got to play 4-3-3. I got to do this until I have everybody that I need to play what I actually desire to play. Until then, we'll play this We'll play this 4-3-3. We'll play Suso out to the right. You know, Benacer was really good, uh, you know, in this great, game. And showed, great signing. It's a yeah, great signing. Yeah, great signing and, and was good in this game. Um, you know, and then when he shifted the formation and brought on Paqueta, then Paqueta played as that Trequartista and Milan started to look, you know, the part a little bit more, um, you know, so it's just, it's going to be a process, but I think what you take away from it is that, you know, Giampaolo is willing to adapt and you want to see that you don't want to see him get stubborn when he's, you know, because we saw it in the Udinese game last week, he put square pegs into round holes, um, you know, for the most part across the pitch. I hope he gets over this fascination with Fabio Borini really soon because I don't know what positive <laughs> he brings to anything he, except he, he has that effect on managers, doesn't he? It seemed last he, year too. It was another, he just like was finding him way, his way in the squad all the time. Him and Mario Rui must exchange pictures of managers in compromising <laughs> situations so that they can continue to get pitch time. There's no other fucking way that he could continue to play. Pardon me. I'm very passionate about this. And the president over at AC Milan Philadelphia is going to be very angry with me because he loves the guy. So um, it's just, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's just the way it is. It's just, it's a guy who shouldn't be in wearing a Milan shirt, but there's a lot of guys right now wearing a Milan shirt that shouldn't be wearing a Milan shirt. It's just, uh, it's just the way it is. So we'll, we'll end on that. So uh, uh, you guys out there listening to us, any thoughts on what you saw from match week two, go to at city. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram real quickly, guys, let's uh, break down Mancini's called up Azzurri with um, uh, it's, it's, it's Finland and Armenia uh, are the fixtures this week. Is that, is that what you said, Rocco? It's Armenia and uh, Finland. Yeah, that's correct. okay. Okay. And I think we get Armenia at home and then we go to Finland. So no, we're, they're both away matches. They're both they're, away matches. Oh, that's right. We had them both at home last time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's go with the goalkeepers. Not a whole lot to get riled up about here. Donnarumma for Milan, Golini for Atalanta, Alex Merritt for Napoli, and Sirigu for Torino. Really, I don't see any anybody else you could change out right now um, with those four. Uh, let's go to the defenders. Leonardo Bonucci for Juventus. It was Giorgio Chiellini. Now it is Francesco Acerbi of Lazio uh, after the Chiellini injury. It was Mattia De Silio of, La- of Juventus. It is now Danilo D'Ambrosio of Inter, uh, Emerson Palmieri of Chelsea, Alessandro Florenzi of Roma, Armando Izzo of Torino, good for him, Gianluca Mancini of Roma, Luca Pellegrini of Cagliari, and Alessio Romagnoli of Milan. I said this before we got on air, guys. Uh, I, we're going to get a lethal dose of Alessandro Florenzi on the right, I fear. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think so. Oh, yeah. I I, as I, and as I said, I don't think there's a heck of a lot of depth uh, left in terms of uh, right backs because uh, all the other ones are all the other players are center backs uh, by nature or left backs by nature. So if if anyone other than uh, Di Francia, um, sorry, Florenzi get uh, get played on that right back uh, position, it'll likely be out of out of their natural or preferred uh, starting uh, position. Of course, you know D'Ambrosio, save for D'Ambrosio. Here's... He did use he did use Gianluca Mancini though I believe in a qualifier last fall. Uh, so 
Um, if he has to do it, he can go to he can go to him because I believe that Gianluca Mancini actually, when given that opportunity, performed rather well. Here's the official mm-hmm. petition to get Di Lorenzo uh, a call up. What's up? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or, no, let's make or, or, Man, or Manuel Atzadi. Uh, yeah. Both of those would have been, I think, really good picks over D'Ambrosio, considering that D'Ambrosio is, uh, you know, would have been a second choice just by nature. He wasn't called up uh, as part of the original roster before these injuries. So, right. you know, why not call up a, a, a young, younger players and, and get them uh, involved in the in the um, in the squad right and 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 you know let them breathe the Coverciano air and uh, and touch the Coverciano uh, uh, grass you know mm-hmm. so so they can and, and then eventually uh you know get those the early jitters out of the way of, of international play sure sure uh, agree 100 percent midfielders Nicola Barella of Inter Brian Cristante of Roma Jorginho of Chelsea Lorenzo Pellegrini of Roma, Stefano Sensi of Inter, very well deserved. Uh, Marco Verratti of Paris Saint Germain. Uh, I got no qualms with this group. What do you? What about you guys? No, no surprises for me, really. No, no surprises for me either. I, I would expect uh, Verratti and Giorgino to be sure. Sure goes. Um, Sensi has seems to have unseated uh, Barella. In yep. Inter's uh, midfield, uh, not not that they play in the exact same position, you know. Say that said, uh, but so for that reason, since Sensi has been doing so well and has been featuring more for for Inter, has more minutes. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sensi play uh, instead of Barella, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, if 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 from a tactical kind of um, uh, you know from egg perspective, you know, if Barella fits Mancini's gameplay better than Sensi, then we'll see uh, the former Caleri player feature for the Nazionale in these, two's game, in these two games. Sure. And forwards, Andrea Bellotti of Torino, Federico Benedeschi of Juventus, Federico Chiesa of Fiorentina, Stefano Sharawi of Shanghai Shenhua for some reason, uh, Ciro Immobile <laughs> for Lazio, Lorenzo Insigne of Napoli, and Kevin Lasagna of Udinese. I think Roberto Mancini, I hope Roberto Mancini watched Moise Ken play today for Everton and realized, oh, I made a mistake here, putting, play, putting uh, El Shadawi in over him. To be honest, I think that he, the, um, I remember reading something recently about uh, Keen or Ken and uh, Zaniolo's um, not non-inclusion in the in the squad due that was mainly due to um, behavior behavior issues uh, displayed while away on the under in the under twenty one squad. Uh, that said, uh, Nikolai, the under twenty one new under newly minted under twenty one coach, has called them up uh, as part of that under twenty one squad as he's trying to integrate um, his graduates from the under twenty into his new under 21 team. So we'll see them uh, wear the Azzurri uh, jersey, but just at a, at a lower level. So I don't think that, I don't think that he, it, it, it's one of these things where Mancini might've just given him a, a, a sit and just, you know, you're going to sit, you're going to sit out and give him a, give him a little timeout. So you're going to sit this one out and then we'll see you back uh, at the, at the next opportunity. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, that's the squad. I mean, uh, at Armenia, they're they're both away matches, but two wins should be uh, 
pretty much mandatory uh, for this Italy, especially the way that they have grown, you know, the way they've improved in the style that they're playing under Roberto Mancini. I just can't see any other um, any other results for them. So hopefully that's exactly uh, what they come away with. Um, last piece before we wrap this thing up. I mean, uh, the Mercato closes on Monday. Are we going to be hit with any surprises or are we kind of thinking status quo at this point, Ken? Uh, I mean, from Napoli's perspective, I don't think you're going to see any surprises uh, from the league. We'll see. I saw some murmurings about uh, Mkhitaryan um, going to Roma, I think. Yeah, Mkhitaryan and uh, Kalinic. Yeah, Kalinic is already, I believe, in... In Italy, and then Milan seemed to be wrapping up for Ante Rebic, or is that Roma? Maybe also, I don't know. I'm getting my teams confused. But no, I saw that about uh, yeah, Milan being in for Rebic. I would, yeah. I would, I would welcome that with open arms. I like him. He's, I, I, I rate him. So yeah, he's a good player. I think it's a smart move. I think Milan's still trying to figure it out a little bit in the attacking phase. Um, I think it's only a matter of time for Piontek gets his groove back. But always good to have options. Yep. On, just on top of what you guys said, I would just add that looks like uh, um, Skirtle uh, has left Atalanta. That's that's not that's not brand new news. But Kier will, who used to play for Palermo a number of seasons ago, will be uh, is likely to be his replacement. Andre Silva might uh, is gonna is gonna looks like he's uh, well on his way to Frankfurt. And um, and just late breaking, uh, it looks like Icardi might be in a ser- seriously considering a loan with uh, I don't know if they're talking about option or obligation to buy uh, to PSG, um, and maybe in second place in his options is Valencia, but uh, and 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 very distant is uh, is uh, a Boca Juniors option, but his uh, his agent said doesn't think so. Doesn't think that's going to happen, and uh, also um, a, a little rumor about Marquisio potentially um, uh, being uh, considering a move to Flamengo of all of all teams in order to uh, replace Quellar. So they, in the last last minute, we'll see we'll see this kind of these types of uh, funny movements. Uh, as far as Juventus is concerned, you know the Dybala question is is done and dusted. I, I read some some ridiculousness about. Uh, first, Rakitic going uh, coming to to Juve in exchange for Emre Can, and that fizzled. Uh, and uh, today, uh, same exchange, but for Bernardeschi. Uh, also, I, I I'm not putting a heck of a lot of credibility under it. It's not a pure fabrication, but I think there's just this. It's just some reports from credible sources, or cre- sources that have that been following credibly. For, uh, for a long time that uh, that have been saying so. So, I, I, I will follow. I will follow up on the Ante Rebic that is actually going to happen. He is in Milan, um, and the uh, discussion is that uh, Andre Silva is going the other way on a loan uh, to Eintracht Frankfurt. So, um, it is a uh, it is a deal where the uh, Croatian international joins Milan. Uh, Andre Silva headed the other way. So. Um, Interesting deal. Um, I like it. Uh, I would have liked Andre Silva to stay. I think that uh, he's kind of gotten shafted every which way, but yeah, lose I feel the same one. way. Yeah, but uh, you know, but they have their reasons. So um, you know, but I think that uh, that's good business for both clubs. So 
uh, we'll see. Well, you never know what kind of curveball or, you know, these uh, these clubs are going to throw here uh, before the transfer window slams shuts. There's always going to be something last minute that happens. So with all of that, we're putting a bow on this edition of the Serie Sit Down. Thank you so much for hanging in there with us, everybody. Uh, let's give our guests a chance to shameless plug. Uh, Rocco, you first. No shameless plug other than you're more than welcome to follow me on Twitter, where I'm at uh, Catenacho NA. I'm still writing for uh, for uh, a soccer examiner where I do um, a lot of Toronto FC games this year. I've been following Canada um, internationally for their Toronto based games and uh, look out for some newer things for me on uh, uh, breaking the lines and, and some other publications, some other uh, m- uh, media outlets uh, in the future. Excellent stuff. Um, and then Ken, what's going on with you? Yeah, I'm going to be much more shameless than Rocco. So um, (laughs) uh, Far From Vesuvius podcast is uh, a podcast that I'm a part of that we cover Napoli um, with three awesome co-hosts, Rafa Rispo, Kirsten Schluitz, and Marco Kubani D'Onofrio. You can follow us at Far From Vesuvius on Twitter. If you want to talk with me directly, I'm always available to talk Calcio um, at K underscore C-I-O-F-F-R-E-D-I. And... As always, to flip it back to Frank, uh, I always appreciate being on with you guys. So um, it's a shame that Richard wasn't here, um, but Rocco was a suitable replacement. <laughs> <laughs> on behalf Uh-oh. of Richard, on behalf of Richard, thank you. Uh, so um, I'm at FTC underscore twenty one. Uh, Seria, sit down. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. Over two thousand followers on Twitter. Uh, which man, we're just we're we're blown away by that. Um, we didn't think that many people listened to us, and still, I think my ma found a way to come up with about two thousand Twitter accounts. Um, <laughs> but but anyway, I digress. Um, we're also uh, we have our own channel on iTunes. We have our own channel on SoundCloud. If uh, you don't have any of those, but you have Stitcher, we're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Just about anywhere you can find a podcast. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, Richard has dropped some videos discussing some of the coaching changes. We'll try to drop some more content there here uh, as we go. Um, and uh, and uh, that's about it. That's uh, World Football Index, www.worldfootballindex.com. They host us, uh, and they have uh, plenty of content for you to go to. Uh, name a league. They're covering it. There's a podcast or there's somebody writing about it. Uh, a lot of good people over there, too. So uh, Ken and Rocco, uh, uh, thank you uh, for playing nice uh, here in this uh, Juventus Napoli talk, by the way, um, and uh, exercising some civility. And we did this without talking about that Dries Mertens incident that everybody seems to be just wasting their life over on Twitter. Get over it. Oh, no shit. Oh, man, Isn't we're that- going to right at the end now, aren't we? Well, <laughs> didn't have any, didn't have any sort of heedance on the match at all. So no, it didn't. And I made my, I made my judgment on on what happened. So I, you know, so it was oh, a dive. What, get over it. It's, it's whatever. Yeah, I, I, I decided that he was getting away from the lunge to protect himself, but he looked like he was trying to and have some it. sort of retaliatory, kick. retaliatory kick at Kadira in the process. And then what happened against Fiorentina the week before was worse. So um, I think too much of, I think too much was made of, of the incident, the Mertens incident Yeah, uh, nothing just, to do so with this Saturday, this Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. 
There wasn't, so, there wasn't much in it. There wasn't much in it. Yeah, whatever. He embellished. So many players will roll three times after they after they get tackled, and that's the same type of thing. It's, sure. It's part of the game. Sure. Sure. So glad that we did not uh, d- devote a whole lot of time to it, except for the time we just did. So mm-hmm. appreciate that, gentlemen. But Rocco and Ken, we're going to have you guys on again at least once before this season's over. With hope you uh, hope you agree when we send out the invite. Absolutely. Looking forward sure to it. Will. Okay, excellent stuff. And uh, for Rocco and for Ken, and then on behalf of Richard, I'm Frank. Thank you for listening. And as always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Make it bounce.